What does it really mean to be unshakable? It's not just a matter of money, it's a state of mind. When you're truly unshakable, you have an unwavering confidence amidst the storm. It's not that nothing upsets you, we all get hooked at times, but you just don't stay there. Nothing rattles you for any length of time. This state of mind allows you to be a leader, not a follower. To be the chess player, not the chess piece. To be one of the few who do, not the many who talk. Hi, I'm Richard Bradley, Editor-in-Chief of Worth Magazine and host of the Unshakable Podcast. I'm here with the world's leading life and business strategist, Tony Robbins. Tony's been named twice to the Worth Power 100 as one of the most influential people in global finance. Along his side is Peter Malouk, CEO of the wealth management firm Creative Planning and the only man in history to be ranked the number one financial advisor by Barron's three years in a row. Tony, the idea of being unshakable is clearly more than money. But in this context, what does it truly mean to be unshakable? It's a state of mind. Uh, it relates to money because most people, when they're trying to figure out how to create financial freedom, create more stress for themselves, worrying about what's going on. And when you're truly unshakable, you have the mindset where you understand how the market works. You understand that real estate can go up or down, stocks can go up or down, but your family can still do well. Unshakable is a bear market can come, a correction can come and there's no fear in you, or if there is a little fear, we're all human, you don't stay there. You find a way to break through, you find your center. And when you have that center, you do what's right to be able to take care of yourself and your family. So we live in a world right now where most people don't even believe they can achieve financial freedom anymore because there's so much volatility. I mean, think about it, we have negative interest rates. In 5,000 years, Richard, banking, we've never in our history had a place where I gave you my money and I paid you to hang on to it. I give you my money to a bank, you pay me for interest. I make money off of it and then they loan it to someone else. We're living in times that are crazy. Toyota right now has a bond that they're selling for 0.001. That's your return for giving the money. It'll take you 69,000 years to double your money. I mean, this has never happened in history. And I was interviewing about a year and a half ago, uh, you know, the former Fed chair, Alan Greenspan, who for 19 years, the most powerful man in finance in the world under four different presidents, spent five hours with him, about three privately and two on stage in front of a group. And one of my final questions to him, and we talked about all this crazy change and all this volatility and how do people get things together, I said, look, if you were back head of the Fed today, what would you do? And there was this long pause. He paused, he paused, and he leaned in me and he said, Tony, I'd resign. <laughs> that did not build much confidence in me or anybody else who'd be watching. And yet, in the midst of all that, as you well know, there's a few unicorns in the financial market, very few. These people that have found a way to do well over all the decades, in good times and in bad. And they know what it takes to be unshakable. And it isn't just guts or confidence, it's understanding certain facts that when you know them, they free you. The metaphor I give people is that, you know, if you go, you know, most of us have heard the old Sufi metaphor of, you know, the man is walking along in the middle of the night and he sees a snake and freaks out and runs away and he comes in in the morning and what does he see? It was a rope. And so once you know it's a rope, you, you can be there in the middle of the night and you're not scared again. This book, Unshakable, is this, it's really a financial freedom playbook for anybody. It's the real essentials about how to go from where you are to where you really want to be, but how to do it with peace of mind. How to do it even when things are volatile and enjoy yourself. And I'm really proud that we're also donating 100% of the profits as we did with Money Master the Game 
to feed another 50 million people. We're gonna feed, I've fed 200 million people the last two years with Feeding America as my partner. I'm gonna feed a billion people, and this is part of that. So this book is something that can change somebody's life, and while you're doing it, really take care of other people that are in need. We got 45 million people in this country that don't know where their next meal's coming from. 17 million are children. While you're changing your own life, we wanna make a difference for them too. You mentioned Money Master the Game. You wrote that book two years ago, and in the two years since, it sold over a million copies. Incredibly impressive. So why another book now? Why, you, why did you write Unshakable? Well, I'm really proud of Money Master the Game, and I hope people will still pick it up and read it, but it is 670 pages. <laughs> you know, What I did is I said, I saw what happened in 2008, and I said, this can't be. I have the good fortune of having coached Paul Tudor Jones, one of the top 10 financial traders in the history of the world, for the last 24 years. And he hasn't lost money in those 24 years that I've worked with him. So as a result of that, I've learned a lot, as you might imagine. He literally emails me each day. We measure these elements for two and a half decades. But at the same time, when 2008 happened, I saw people losing their homes. I saw people losing half their net worth overnight. And I knew what was the trigger because I was working with Paul. So I thought, what if I wrote a book where I interviewed the smartest financial people in the world, the people you and I both have the privilege to interact with now, and I interviewed 50 of them. Not people from the Lucky Sperm Club, but people who literally started with nothing and built something of that scope, and they did it through investing. And what I learned were the strategies that could change anybody's life. So I put that in the book, and, and I was gratified that it became number one New York Times bestseller, and as you said, sold a million copies in hardback. But in addition to that, what was really cool was people's lives were changed by that book because it wasn't me. It was the best investors in the world sharing it with you. And so I don't like writing books. I'd you know, rather pull out my teeth, quite frankly. And I hadn't written a book for 20 years. And Steve Forbes said it was, you know, if there was a Pulitzer Prize for an investment book, this one would win hands down. So I wrote this great book. So answer your question, why another one? Because in the last year and a half, these crazy changes we're talking about with feds all the world are happening. Volatility has increased. No one is clear where the world is going. Uh, I was talking to Howard Marks of Oak Tree Capital and he, he manages $100 billion. And he said to me, he said, Tony, you know, if you're not confused, you don't know what's going on. Right? Right. It's, it's, that's the world that we're in. So I thought, I want to do three things with this book. I want to write a short book. I want to find a book that you can hold in your hand and not lift weights with, and that you could read in a weekend or you know, a long day if you're really committed to and give you all the essentials that can change your life. But the second reason I wrote it besides a short book that anybody can get through and use is I really wanted to write a book where we could dispel the fear where we could take that you know, snake and turn it into the rope that it really is. So that you can begin to understand that there's no reason to fear these things and you can participate in this tremendous opportunity in the market for people to grow and even take advantage of the worst times. Because I know you know that the greatest time for someone to leapfrog from financial survival to financial freedom is during the toughest times. Things burn down faster than they grow. The opportunities are extraordinary at that time. And we're gonna talk about that in our next podcast to give people some real specifics. But it is your opportunity to really leapfrog from where you are to where you wanna be. And you wanna be prepared so you don't get hurt. And you wanna take advantage because that's where the greatest opportunities are. You know, you, you listen in to somebody like Warren Buffett, I had the privilege of interviewing, and his whole approach is, I want to be, I want to take advantage. I want to be in a position when everyone else is afraid, I want to be greedy. When everybody's greedy, I want to be afraid. And so this book really shows you that. And then the third and final reason I wrote this is, the financial industry is, a, is made up of good human beings, very talented human beings, but this incentives in that system are not to take care of you as the investor. 
These are corporations, they're multi-billion, almost some of them you know, approaching a trillion dollars over decades of revenue that they're generating, and their number one focus is to take care of their shareholders. Well, the way you do that is more fees. And the fees are so hidden that most people know the Obama administration this last year, at least on the 401k side, tried to pass some rules that look like they may just get ejected now under the Trump administration, but it's because $17 billion in fees are being taken from people. You know, 1% in fees, just 1% more than you need to pay, because of compounding, will cost you 10 years of income in retirement. It could be the difference between retiring broke, having money for a few years, or having for as long as you live. So I really want to take care of people and protect people. And so those three things, write a short book you can absorb right now that anyone can use, whether you're a millennial just getting started and you've all this debt and think you'll never get free, or whether you're a baby boomer and think you started too late. Here's the financial playbook to really get you where you want to go. So Tony, folks here listening to the podcast can't hear this, but sitting alongside us here is Peter Malouk. Talk a little bit about how the two of you connected and how Peter came to be the co-author with you of Unshakable. Well, first of all, I have unbelievable respect for Peter. He's, we're partners and he's become a dear, dear friend of mine. But it's kind of interesting. I wrote Money Master the Game. I dug in and pulled out all of the abuses that I thought had happened in the system. Um, you know, we went out and kind of freed people from this. I and mean, they're able to put 10 years, sometimes 20 years of income back in their pocket. But then I got a call from Peter and I had actually been really focused on what's called the fiduciary standards, a big word, but what it really means is most financial people that you go to, most people that you consider to be a financial consultant or a supporter or whatever you want to call them, they're brokers. 90% are brokers. Nothing wrong with a broker, but a broker does not have to put your needs ahead of their own. It's crazy. All they got to do is give you an investment that's called suitable, which means they think it'll work for you. That's it. But there's Less than 10% of the 300,000 people in the financial industry, the ones that aren't brokers, these independent registered investment advisors are called fiduciaries. They are responsible to legally put your needs ahead of their own. If they say buy Apple this morning and they buy it themselves for themselves this afternoon and they get a better deal, the law requires they give you their stock. That's how strong the laws are. But it's a real small subset of groups. So I was promoting fiduciaries, and I even recommended a series of like 10 different firms, and Peter's firm was one of those because his firm, and Peter himself, as you said earlier, he's the only firm and he's the only individual financial advisor to be named by Barron's three years in a row as the number one financial advisor in the country. So his track record was extraordinary. So when he called me up and said, Tony, I know you care so much about people, you're trying to protect them, but there's some dead bodies you need to see out there. There's, some, there's ways of manipulating the system, even for people that call themselves fiduciaries. And he flew out on a weekend. I was doing a seminar. He never leaves on the weekend with his family. I really respect him for that, but it was the only time we could meet. He traveled all that way. We sat down, and he dropped this set of insights on me. And I was devastated, quite frankly. I was angry. I was pissed off. I mean, like, how could people do this, take advantage of people? And also, because I'm trying to steer people in the right way, and I found some of these individuals, these organizations, who I really like, in order to try to survive and make enough money, they've adapted some interesting approaches that we're going to talk about here. But Peter's the one that freed that. And when I sat there, at the end of it, I was like, Peter, I said, you know, what you're doing here, you, he's created a home office for people. You know, you know, billionaires have home offices. They have a dozen people, seven, eight, nine people, whose entire focus is every aspect. They're not just putting together a portfolio, they look at how to protect your risk, they look at your taxes, they look at estate planning, they look at everything to take care of you. And you know, you usually gotta be a billionaire to do that. He started doing that for millionaires, you know, for small businesses, which is the backbone of this country. And I said to him, I said, what if we partnered? But I said, if we partnered, 
I would love to join your board. I would love to you know, step in and really help you understand by being maybe the chief investor psychology, how investors think so we meet their deepest needs even more so. But he's already managing now $22 billion and you're number one. I said, but would you be willing to do this for people with as little as $100,000 so that the average person just beginning the journey, someone who's early in the journey could still do this. They don't have to be a millionaire or a billionaire to do it. And he went back, talked to his team, and came back and said, we can set up another division and do this. So we became partners. And so now I'm, I'm a partner with him in, this, in the firm. I'm on the board of directors, partners in writing the book. And I just want to get this message out. And Peter's one of the smartest guys. I mean, he's the guy that navigated 2008, 2009 during that time, the big bear, you know, one of the greatest economic challenges in our history. And we'll talk a little bit later about how well they did. Quite extraordinary. Peter, I think a lot of people would be reluctant to reach out to Tony Robbins and say, hey, Tony, I love the book, but I got to tell you, there's some things you need to know. Talk a little bit about what prompted you to, to, to reach out to Tony. Well, I read the book. I mean, a lot of my clients had read the book. They'd come in with the book in their hand, and they'd say, talk to me about, are you a fiduciary and all? And I loved it because most of it spoke directly to what we were already doing. And I could tell from reading it that he had really tried to navigate all of this, that somewhere along the way he got pissed off about something. And I found out later it was his 401k plan, and he decided he was just going to figure it out. And this book was an incredible attempt at that. I mean, he's interviewing these 50, 50, I've never seen, I don't think it has ever been done, where you have that many successful people at investing with different points of views, but very common thread through most of them. And he's bringing all those ideas, but he had a couple things that really stood out that were the same thing we talk about creative planning. You should have a fiduciary. You should be sensitive to fees. You should be sensitive to, to conflicts. Don't try to market time. Don't waste your time trading stocks all day in your pajamas at home. These are the core message really matched up with us. So I thought, hey, I'm at least going to offer this. And, I, you know, frankly, I did not expect, you know, Tony to call me back and, and be willing to listen. Not only was he willing to listen, like he said, he asked me to come back out, come out there and meet with him. And when I did, I, and I was, went there, and of course, he's, he, he was in the middle of an event and he had budget, he, broke out some time for me and he said, hey, we've only got a, a, an hour or 45 minutes or something like that. And I, I talked for 10 minutes and Tony, I mean, he was really like, looked at the other people in the room as advisors like, I can't believe some of what I'm hearing. And I said, that's really all I got. And he goes, are you serious? And I said, yeah. And I left and he called me, uh, I think it was the next day or a few days later and said, wow, we looked at all that and I'm learning something new. Let's keep talking. And, and I'll tell you what I love about Tony that matches the firm, because a lot of people have seen me in the media, maybe one one-thousandth of the time you see Tony, but stylistically and physically, we're pretty different people, right? <laughs> but we have some things Wait, in common. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about the title of the book, Unshakable, when he came up with that, he said, what do you think of that? I thought that's absolutely perfect, because whenever you're at a party and you hear somebody say, I lost everything, which you and I have heard the crowds we run in, they hear that all the time. Uh, people were worth 100,000, they're worth zero, or they're worth 20 million, and they're worth you know half a million. And they go, it was 08, or the 9-11, or the tech bubble. Well, it's impossible to have lost money through those if you were invested even halfway right and didn't make a mistake. And what you really find is people, uh, they get in their own way and, because they're shakable, right? They, most people react negatively. And why are they shakable? Why do they make those mistakes? Because of uncertainty. Where does the uncertainty come from? Fear. What, where is the fear? No education. What does Tony do for a living? Not just with money, but everything else. He tries to compress the learning curve for people, help them figure out exactly you know, how to think about things, and give them a roadmap. Well, that's what we've tried to do at Creative Planning, and we're very successful at it. We're one of the top independent uh, firms in the country. 
Uh, we're very proud of everything we accomplished you know, before the partnership. But when I write a letter, it's not going to be written by as many, uh, read by as many people as when Tony does. I wrote a book. Tony's book said, sold 20 times uh, more copies. And I've been in the business for 20 years, right? So what a wonderful opportunity to put a megaphone on what we've been trying to do, which is to educate and empower people so that they have that certainty so they become unshakable. And if you're unshakable, then you're going to have a better investment outcome. It's, it's that simple. So his messaging uh, and what he was trying to do, it really matched up perfectly, and it's been a, a great, great ride ever since then. And I wanted to, in this book, the reason I asked Peter to co-author it with me was I wanted to cover not only the psychology and I wanted to bring all these other investors, but I really wanted to gear people up so that when the inevitable corrections and the inevitable bear market comes, and we're right now approaching eight years, the second largest you know, bull market in history, when that changes, and it always does, I wanted people protected and I wanted not only protected, I wanted them to thrive, not just survive. And... I had all this great information for all these individuals, but Peter had taken his firm and grown it geometrically with virtually no advertising because he got such unbelievable results in the midst of the worst downturn you can imagine. You guys grew from what to what? Do you remember? It's 500 million to a couple billion in, inside that two years. In two years. Yeah. And during the worst economic time, everybody gravitated to them because everybody else is freaking out. And here are these people are getting great results. So in the book, the specifics about what to do in a bear market, the specific plans and so forth, are really Peter's plan. So I'm also not a financial, legal financial planner. My expertise is psychology, synthesis, taking the very best and then communicating a way someone can act on it. Because I always say, say to people, knowledge is not power. You know, knowledge is information. It's potential power. What's real power is execution. You know, execution trumps knowledge every day of the week. So I wanted to write something short, quick, brief, but with a real plan that's proven so that you can literally become more fearless or what we call unshakable. Peter, I know you you contributed to the book. You wrote some of that real plan. Talk a little bit about uh, your contribution to the book and, and what kinds of advice you're giving people. Well, I think like if you look at the financial services industry, you have conflict, but then you have polar opposites in advice. On the one end, you, you have Let's go in the market. Let's go out of the market. Let's trade stocks all the time. A lot of evidence. It doesn't work for most people, whether you hear that from, you want to believe Buffett when he says it or Bogle when he says it or I when I say it. There's a lot of people that say that doesn't work. But those people tend to be buy and hold, do nothing ever. Okay, buy these eight things and don't ever do anything. And I think that's a real big mistake. And so one of the great opportunities to be able to write a little more specifically in the book was, hey, look, yes, some of this you know, the crazy day trading in your pajamas isn't probably going to work out for you very well. Most hedge funds you have access to are probably not going to work out for you well. And here's the evidence, right? We don't just say it, we show the evidence. But hey, you don't have to just settle for holding all the time. It's in the bear market. Is That's the opportunity. And so we outlined in the books you know, some of the things that we did with our clients to take advantage of that opportunity so that we're, we're, we're not doing nothing, but we're not doing things that create damage either. We're trying to stay in the game, get the upside. But when bad things happen, that's the chance to really get ahead of the marketplace. So Tony, it's unusual to launch a book and do a podcast at the same time. Why'd you decide to, to do this that way? I just think that people having a partner, an audio partner, in some cases video partner like this, people can use net time, you know, no extra time 
They can do it when they're driving their car. They can do it when they're working out. They can listen to it and reinforce it. You know, obviously the podcast doesn't go to the depth of the book, but I wanted to get some of that core information out there. I mean, the bottom line is uh, neither one of us are taking a dime from this book. I wrote this book so we can feed another 50 million people. I'm going to match that so we feed another 100 million people on the way to the billion that I'm going for. But I also want to just be able to provide something that people really use. And I think if you combine audio with the written word, I think you've got a chance to reinforce it. It's all about accessibility, isn't it? It really is. Make it as easy as possible for people yeah. to get real results. So lots of people have massive fears when it comes to the stock market. Their emotions are in overdrive whenever the talking heads are calling for the next big crash. And that seems like it's happening every other All the time. Week. <laughs> but early in the book, you guys cover seven freedom facts, which are some pretty mind-blowing facts about market behavior that when you, people understand them, they're sure to help free them from being their own worst enemy and being so fearful about participating in the stock market and, and when to make decisions. Let's go through them. Okay. Um, let's talk about uh, freedom fact number one. On average, corrections have occurred about once a year since 1900. Is that a lot or a little? Well, you tell me. I think most people, you know, they're all worried about a correction. And when you see that literally in 115 years, from 1900 to 2015, we've averaged one a year, it can allow you to say, I don't need to react to this. This is natural. It's like a season. Winter comes every year. You know, you don't, if you react to winter and freak out, you're going to be stressed out all the time as opposed to be prepared for winter, take advantage of winter. Some people freeze to death. You want to be well supplied so you can ski, snowboard, be with your family yeah. and friends, and hopefully do well enough you can help those that didn't plan, right? That's really what it's about. So... If you think about it, it, the average correction lasts 56 days, so less than two months. Last year was a perfect example. 2016, if you remember January, the first, what was it, nine or 10 days of the month was the worst nine or 10 days in the history of, of stock market openings, of, you know, opening of years. And I remember at the time, uh, people were freaking out. You know, the market dropped. How many points was it the one day? Was it seven? hundred, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, no, that, the one day. Almost 500, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Five, six, I think it was 600. Yeah. I'm not positive. But, you know, people were freaking out. Everybody was in Davos, you know, all the wealthiest <laughs> people in the world. They went there. They put Ray Dalio on. If you don't know who Ray Dalio is, he's the largest hedge fund and most successful hedge fund guy in history, right? Um, this is a man who's... You, know, you had to have a $5 billion net worth and give him $100 million 10 years ago to take money. Now he won't take your money no matter who you are. And he had taught me in, his, in the first book, Money Master the Game, his formula. And I shared that formula and it helped a lot of people. He got up on camera and people said, what do we do? The world's marking down. The end is coming. And he said, well, Tony Robbins wrote this book. You know, I had to pick it up. And in the chapter, he explained some ways to do this. So it was really gratifying to see that that would make such a difference for people. But what really makes a difference is to realize it didn't last. The year end up, we broke all kinds of records last year, and, but it looked so dark. It yeah. looked like it was the end. And so it's really important for people to know this is on average 54 days, less than two months. It happens every year like clockwork. Now here's what you gotta know though. In the last 100 years, the average drop was 13%, a little more than 13. Now in the last 30 years, the average drop is in 14%. Well, when you lose 14%, at least on paper, pretty hard for most people to hang on. And so what do they do? They sell at exactly the worst time, right? And they take those losses and make them permanent. The stock market never took money from anybody. Only you can do that by your decisions, That's right. right? And so if you understand that this is normal, this is winter, winter always comes, some are more severe than others, some are shorter, some are longer, but they come every year, then all of a sudden your brain starts to go, I don't have to overreact. Yeah. And what makes you successful is to stay in the market. And there's a lot of very, very smart people that you, they can know all of this and they're still gonna react negatively. They have to be 
really empowered with information. And the reason is sometimes there's a kernel of truth, sometimes there isn't. And usually there's a narrative. Like if you look at what Tony was referencing early in 2016, January, February, oil prices were plummeting. OPEC said they're going to let, let oil float. And now we, we've got the U.S. They're talking about recession. Eight of the ten uh, major uh, banks in the United States said oil was going to go even lower. So you have, a, you have a narrative. It's not like it's randomly happening. But we know this story. It's kind of like going to a Sandra Bullock movie. We kind of know we're going to laugh, we're going to cry. But you, you know, even if you, someone tells you the whole story in advance, there's going to be a point where you're supposed to be crying. And I'm going to look over at my wife and she's going to be crying, right? I mean, so we're humans. We react when we're going through it, even when we know what's going to happen. And I think the key is you have to not only know what's going on, like Tony's talking about, but you got to take it a step further and be excited about it. Yeah. Actually say, this is, this is an opportunity. I only get this opportunity, like Tony said, about once a year. Now now's the time to go into action. And once you've made that shift, you know you've, you've arrived. You've, you've truly, yeah. that first step is the first step to being unshakable. And it's based on a pattern of facts. So what's another pattern? Another pattern is, okay, this, how do I know this is a correction? Just to clarify for everyone, a correction, a, a bear market, as you know, is 20% drop from its peak, right? So anything below that, you know, in the 10% range or above is gonna be a correction. And so most people are afraid, is this correction? First yeah. of all, most people think of a correction as a bear market. They don't make the difference, yeah. right? They don't see this as temporary. They don't see it as normal. They think, oh my God, the world is ending. And so then they make these dumb decisions, unfortunately, that can destroy your financial future. But if you know that these corrections happen every year and that less than 20% of them ever grow into a bear market, which means you know, one in five, so one in five years, that's really what we're talking about, then if 80% of the time it's not gonna get worse, then maybe I ought to take advantage of this. Maybe I, when everybody else is afraid, that is your greatest opportunity. That is Warren Buffett's number one you know, totem, his motto is take advantage during those times. So that's freedom fact number two, that less than 20% of all corrections will ever actually turn into a bear market. That's right. Right, let's talk about freedom fact number three. Nobody can consistently predict whether the market is going to rise or fall. Well, I think this is interesting because there's so much, uh, so many advisors, that's what they're selling, right? And so th this is what's interesting about the profession. That they can predict. Yeah, that they're selling, hey, I can predict, I can navigate this. I mean, there are different words for it, downside protection or exit strategy, you know, things like that. But they're all generally related to forecasting. And I think what's problematic with that is people are trained when you go to a professional, if I go to a doctor, if I go to an architect or an engineer or a CPA, my expectation is there's some industry standard based on academic evidence and you're going to advise me and put me in a better spot. That couldn't be further from the truth in the financial services profession. Most of the time, you'd be better off not hiring a particular advisor, and this would be one group to be concerned about is, to me, it's a great litmus test. If you're sitting down with somebody and, and you say, hey, tell me how you're gonna help me, and they go, well, I'm gonna look at indicators and tell you when to exit the market, that you can stop the meeting right there, get up, and as Tony talks about in his Run. books, you just go, go find somebody else. It's a great uh, litmus test question. You know, Bogle said, I've not only never seen anybody can do it, I've never met anybody who met anybody that can do it. And I'll tell you, at Creative Planning, we have 15,000 clients, I've been doing this about 20 years, I have never in my career ever seen a client exit the market and get back in even moderately close to the right time. I mean, forget about getting it right, not, not even remotely close. Then you get in transaction costs, taxes, the outcome is very, very negative. So if, if you don't want to take the time to dig through all the academic evidence that it doesn't work, we talk a little bit about it in, in the book, why this is not a fantastic strategy for you and why it's not predictable. And once you realize it's not predictable, it's easier to have a, a, a philosophy to take advantage.
There's uh, a whole, there's there's a whole industry, as you well know, of people who get up every single day and grab your eyeballs on the television to tell you the horrible thing is coming or the good thing is coming. But nobody statistically has been able to consistently do that. There's been a few of these guys that really aren't accessible to you, a Ray Dalio, a Paul Tudor Jones, somebody of that nature that have been able to go 20 plus years making money in all these different markets, but their funds are closed. So you're not gonna be able to get into them. So anybody who's promoting that, if either, either they believe what they're saying and they're wrong, or they do it long enough until they're right. I mean, we talk about, we show examples in the book of people that there's one man who predicted 2008, the only problem is he's incorrectly predicted 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, If you keep saying it eventually, you'll be right. Well, no, exactly right. And, and the greatest investors, many of the greatest investors of all time, don't believe in market timing. So yes. Buffett is not a market timer. You don't see him leave the market and go to cash. You see him 99% invested all the time. And when the market is correcting, he looks for value. He doesn't try to time it. He buys, he waits. He says it doesn't have to matter if he's going to wait a month or two years. Eventually, the stock price will match the value of that company. So you can be at one of the greatest investors of all time, uh, whether you're J.P. Morgan, who when asked, you know, what's the stock market going to do? He said it's going to fluctuate, right? So you look at J.P. Morgan, you look at Buffett, greatest investors of all time. They're not market timing. So if you're like a 42-year-old uh, guy working with an advisor down the street in Walnut Creek, California, who's telling you you can market time, forget it. It's just, that scenario is not going to work for you. Just move on. Yeah. So that's a great uh, segue to freedom fact number four, which is, I think, something that, that people forget or don't know and is extremely reassuring. The fact that despite short-term setbacks, historically, the stock market rises over time. Yeah, the market's up three out of four years, so 77% of the time. But that's over one year. Over three years, it's up about 90% of the time. Over five years, it's up more than 95% of the time. Over 10 years, it's 98.5% of the time. So in the short run, like Tony was mentioning earlier, incredibly unpredictable. In the long run, it's extremely predictable. We know what the market's going to do over time. Not just the stock market, but the bond market. Over the long run, we have an expected return uh, that, that comes about that, that we can count on, at least with a reasonable amount of probability and plan, and plan towards. Right. But for some reason, people don't easily think about the long term. Well, and I think obsessed with the short term. I, I think part of it's this this myth that people believe they hear the market goes up and down. That's not true. The market goes up. What it has is it has intermediate periods where it's down, kind of like inflation goes up and down, right? Sometimes a candy bar goes down in price. It doesn't happen very often, but sometimes it does. Maybe you stock up on candy bars then. But over time, we all have the expectation as reasonable people that ten years from now. A Coke is going to cost more, a candy bar is going to co cost more, a house is going to cost more. Uh, if you believe that, then you should believe that about the stock market because part of the return is just inflation. But, Tony, part of this is about psychology, right? Sometimes, for some reason, we focus more on the negative events than we do on the long-term positive ones. So even though, and I think this is freedom fact number five, that historically bear markets only happen every three to five years, for some reason they seem to make an an over large impression on investor psychology. Well, I don't care. You know, I was talking to Jack Bogle, who started Vanguard, you know, $3 trillion in assets. And he said, I said, what are you doing in Mark Mark? He goes, I read all my books and remind myself <laughs> not to sell anything. Because right. it's, it's it, yes, it happens. Let, let's just say the figure so everybody understands it. Since 1900, so 115 years, we've had 34 bear markets. Uh, since 1947, we've had 14. So Overall, in 115 years, it's averaged every three years. In the last you know, 50 years or so, it's averaged about one every five years. But the problem is that the average drop is 
right? And uh, you know, roughly a third of the time, the market drop is 40% or more. Well, when you lose, yeah. at least on paper, in your head, that's still the part of our brain that allows us to go into fight or flight, that survival mechanism, is triggered by money issues. They've done MRIs and shown it as if you were literally, your life was being threatened. And so when that happens, unless you train yourself to be unshakable, unless you know, hey look, this happens every three to five years, and if I try to get out, as we're gonna show you in a few moments, I'm gonna have the wrong timing. I just need to stay in and I won't lose anything. It'll look like I've lost, but over the long term, if I'm willing to stick with it, I can make it happen, because we know what the returns are afterwards. We know how the market jumps after we've taken this hit in a bear market. Everybody remembers, where were we in 2009? Where are we today? But what's really important to know is that in the midst of all this, these bear markets last on average a year. There's a few times when they're a couple of years, but usually on average it's a year. So a year really is, any other business, if you could get a Ferrari for 50% off, you would be pretty excited, right? <laughs> but this so. is the stock market's the only place in the world when things go on sale where people freak out. And what you want to be is the unshakable. When everyone else is in turmoil, you want to go, this is the greatest opportunity of my life. Let me get these things now because they're going to go back up in value. Because historically, that's what's happened in the U.S. markets for 200 years, two centuries. No matter what you do, American business seems to find a way to resolve and become more profitable. Whatever you do, part of that is our population grows. Part of that is inflation. And so the combination of these factors and our increased productivity as a society, which keeps growing, especially with technology, allows these markets to continue to grow. So it's going to happen every three to five years. It's going to be a 33% drop, a 40, 50% drop. But what we're going to show you in this book is how to set up a portfolio, how to diversify so that when that happens, you don't take that kind of a hit. You're still in really great shape. But more importantly, as Peter proved with all of his clients during that time, let's go in and let's take advantage of this. This is the chance to leapfrog from wherever you are financially to where you really want to be because this is where you're going to see the greatest growth. I don't remember the exact number, I apologize, but I remember when I was doing research, Everybody remembers Jack Kennedy, obviously, but Joe Kennedy, his father, mm -hmm. I, I can't remember the exact number, I apologize, I'll have to look it up, but he, his level of wealth was sizable, it was like three or four million, if I remember correctly, in 1929, but by 1932, it was more than 100 million. And the reason is because when things melt down, that is the opportunity. When everybody's scared, that's Warren Buffett, that's all the greatest investors in the world, and you can free yourself from the fear when you go, this is it. There's a big winter about every three to five years, yeah. but winter doesn't last forever. And what always follows winter is springtime, right? This incredible growth. That's really the essence of this. So let's actually, let's talk about springtime, which brings us to freedom fact number six. And I think this is, uh, a fact that is often forgotten in the midst of those bear markets when you're seeing that 30-40% paper loss, it's hard to remember uh, that bear markets become bull markets and pessimism becomes optimism. Yes. That's what happens not 90% of the time, but 100% of the time. And I think that's the hard thing for people to grasp. You know, Tony was talking about the frequency of bear markets. There's, there's two things that make that particularly troublesome for a lot of investors. And one is, it happens every three to five years, but not necessarily spaced out like that, right? Yeah. Sometimes you have a tech bubble and then 9-11, and you're going, geez, I just went down 40-whatever percent, I recovered, and I get hit again 40-something percent, I'm just not doing this anymore. Well, that's obviously a spectacular mistake because we know what's happened since then. The market's up 10,000-plus points. Uh, same thing with 08-09. If you look at March 9 of 2009, the market bottomed. From then, it, it was up 65% over the next few months. When it turns, it turns very rapidly. So I think... 
I think part of it is this that they're not, the bear markets don't space themselves out. Sometimes they come so fast they freak people out. Sometimes five years passes, and like right now, many of my clients, some of my clients will say, well, we're due for a bear market. Well, it doesn't work like that. There have been periods in history where we go 10 or 15 years. We just don't know what's going to happen. Is it going to be terrorism? Is it going to be an industry bubble? Is it something we're not, we're not thinking about uh, that's going to drive those, those things? But regardless, the economy is resilient. People have this perception that capitalism is fragile and the economy is fragile. And it's, in fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. And, and, and the market is a function of dividends, it, which were, get paid in bear markets still. It's a function, a little bit of inflation, and then of over time rising profits. And so what's happened in every single bear market in history is those things have prevailed and the market's gone on to a new high. So let's say you're the worst investor in the world. You put all your money in the market the day before the crash in, in uh, late 07, that starts in late 07. You put all your money in before 9-11 or the tech bubble. Well, we were talking about the average bear market being 33%. These happen to be three of the worst bear markets of all time, mm -hmm. and they're fresh on everyone's minds. Well, if you put all your money 100% in stocks then, well, today you're infinitely wealthier, right? So it's that hard to screw up if you're educated and you have the discipline and you take advantage of the opportunity. If you get in the game and stay in the game, yep. that's the biggest challenge for people, of course. That's right, and I think that that brings us to a fact uh, that I, I think is incredibly important um, and that people really don't realize or appreciate or just plain forget. Your freedom fact number seven, the greatest danger is actually being out of the market. Now, this is totally counterintuitive, right? Because everybody says, look, the ideal would be you get in at the right time and go up, and then you get out before it goes down. But you know, no one's ever been able to predict that of the best of the best of the world. But here's the fact that'll blow your mind. JP Morgan did a study, and Schwab, both independently did studies over 20-year periods of time, so 1996 to 2015. And they found that on average, if you're in the S&P 500, you have an 8.2% return, which compounding it over time is extraordinary for people. It helps you get to that wealth. But in those 20 years, if you just missed the 10 best trading days, 10 days out of 20 years, and your return would be 4.5%. It would literally almost be cut in half just by missing those 10 days. How are you gonna know in 20 years which of those 10 days are? Give me other statistics of what happens with, with <laughs> well, 20 I think, days. I think one of the big misperceptions is, okay, if the, if the market's at 10,000, like it was a few years ago, and I wait, well, what, what, what are, there are only three things that can happen if I'm in cash. One is the market goes down. I feel great, but am I gonna go in at 9,000? Do I really feel great about the market at 9,000 if I didn't feel good at 10? I still have not met that investor in my you know, long career. Second, it goes sideways. I lose. Dividends are better than being in cash or a CD. Third, it goes up. Now, the problem with it going up is it might not come back to 10,000. It might do exactly what it did. Go to 11, 12, 13, 15, 19, 9, you know. You lost and your opportunity. You, you lost your opportunity. Now, if I go in, there's three things that can happen. It goes up. I'm high-fiving uh, everyone around me. It can go sideways. I'm better than cash. It can go down. Big deal. I can buy more or I wait it out. That's the worst thing in the world that happens is I wait it out. So being out, it's like Tony said, it's counterintuitive. Being out is what results in permanent loss. Being in, the worst outcome that can happen, and it's still a low probability event, is temporary loss of capital. So, uh, Peter, isn't it also true that those advisors who are not fiduciaries, mm -hmm. who are brokers, they will make money whether they're encouraging you to buy or sell? So they actually have a disincentive to advise you, hey, don't do anything, stay the course, you're going to be fine. 
I think it's when you're in the brokerage world, you just don't know how anyone's being compensated. And if they disclose it to you, usually there will be conflicts. Sometimes they get paid commissions, so there's an, an, an incentive for activity. Sometimes they get paid a fee, but only if you're in certain asset classes. So there's an incentive for you to be in those asset classes. Sometimes they get paid different fees in different asset classes. So there's an incentive for you to take risks you might not want to take. And those and, incentives have nothing to yeah. do with your best interest. It's right. just the incentives of what makes the most money for they the might, corporation. Yeah, they might have their own bond desk. They might have their own mutual funds. They might have their own hedge funds. I mean, so I think the key is you want to have an advisor. You pay a fee, and that fee is the same on all of the investment advice all of the time. And we, if you can get yourself to that, which, I mean, like Tony said at the top of, the, of this, that's extremely rare, unfortunately, in this profession. But if you can find somebody whose investment fee is the same, no matter what they do, what, no matter what they recommend, that's the best case scenario in terms of at least having an alignment before we even get to the next steps with the advisor. And I want you to know, I, I give the 10 days, but let me give them the second statistic that they found. In those 20 years, if you're out of the market 20 days, the 20 best days, right. your 8.2 drops to 2.1. You might as well have your money in a treasury or something of that nature, right? And if you miss the top 30 days in 20 years, you lost money. And so it, how are you ever going to time that? And then the, the best fact that we found was extraordinary, and this is done by J.P. Morgan. They found that six of the 10 biggest trading days, upsides, were within two weeks of the 10 worst trading days. Yeah. So it's like when people's guts are being ripped right. open, that's when the greatest explosion of opportunity happens. We're up how far now, Peter? I haven't seen the latest statistics from where we were in 2009. How much has the growth been on the market? I've forgotten the I number. I mean, I'm looking at the Dow under 7,000, now near 20,000. So you have several hundred percent with dividends. And it's, look it's at all crazy. the people that yeah. are, have sat out because they were afraid the market's going up and down. Where's the, where's the money going to go? The Fair market way. can't last this long. Every story that you hear, and what really kills me is, I, I guess it's two extremes. It's millennials because they're just not in the market, right? They've been... They're like the generation that went through the Great Depression. They saw what happened to their families and to their parents and some of them to themselves that they're the leading edge of that. And they're just staying out of the market. And they're the core years where they could, with a very small amount of money, become financially free because of the power of compounding with time. And then you got baby boomers that have been sitting out. They can't afford to set out at this time. But they don't know how to get a plan together that can protect them in the worst situations. They don't have to be fearful and they don't know how to take advantage of it. That's what Unshakable is really teaching. And, and not everybody wants to you know, get totally loaded. Some people right. have just accomplished what they want to accomplish and they want to lead a good life. And I have three people just off the top of my mind in my firm that I, Tony's met, uh, two of them personally, who got into this profession because their parents were wiped out. Uh, one in the tech bubble and uh, one after 9-11 with their advisor. And people think about all these decisions they have to make. Really, the biggest one is who's advising you. Yeah. Because the second you, you hand over, you think about all the time you spend earning every dollar you've ever worked for that you've had the opportunity to save, that you weren't spending on kids' events and food and, and everything else. And you go hand your life's work, whether it's 500000 or $1.8 or whatever it is to that advisor. But that advisor better be aligned. It's not enough for you to be knowledgeable. Yeah. They have to be aligned with you or, or that one decision can really unravel everything else. One of the things we did in Unshakable is we actually built uh, a set of checklists for you. So whoever you're dealing with, here's the checklist for your lawyer. Here's the checklist for your financial advisor. The questions to ask. So A, you can make sure they're on your side, and B, to make sure they're truly executing and the philosophy is really there. But what I really want people to know, I have to agree, 60% of people surveyed today say they believe their financial advisor is putting the company's interest ahead of their own. It's worse than what they perceive in real numbers, and, right? And you would think 60% is high, but yeah. it's not high enough. Unfortunately, it's not. And so one of the reasons that I decided to partner with Peter, I mean, I'm part of the firm, so obviously if you become a client of ours, I benefit you know, financially. 
but I did this because this is the one guy that, you know, four, as I should say, the Barons has said three times in a row, here's your number one guy. You, you see CNBC saying two years in a row, he's number one. You look at this year, and again, you got Forbes making him number one. There's a reason. It's a combination of the pure integrity, but also he educates. That's why we're partners. He gets people to understand, so you're not just trusting your financial advisor to figure it out. Educate you and your wife in a way where you, or husband, in a way where you really know what this means and where you're able to take action. And what I'm really grateful for now is this has been for millionaires or a billionaire. Now you've got it for the average person who's on the journey. If they've got at least $100,000, he'll do it. But he'll also do um, a, a, just a, an opportunity for you to have an evaluation, to take a look at what's happening now, a second opinion from the number one rated firm. And if people want to do that, they can go to secondopinion.com. Yeah. And if you go there, Peter has a team, and he built the division. So it doesn't matter how little or how much you have. They'll lay out a plan. They'll give you the feedback. And if you want to go implement on yourself, you're welcome to. If you want to do business with Peter, you're welcome to. But uh, I, I'm real, I want to empower people. When I wrote the first book, my biggest challenge was people do need someone. They can do it on their own. But most people, and, it's, and as you have more money, it becomes even more important, have someone to advise them. I wanted to be able to recommend somebody that I could feel 100% by, and I want to recommend somebody that not only I believe is the best, but the financial press believes the press, and that do that with somebody who has integrity and then looks at your entire life, I mean, and gives you, what is it, seven people now? Is that how many people? Yeah, say, seven and then explain, several Would you explain that? Too. So it's a, well, we had before, before Tony came along, was we had a group that, family office for people that were ultra wealthy, and we still have that group, and it's, doing very well, and we had a group that served that millionaire and multimillionaire next door. We provided family office services to them, where they've got this core team of advisors from legal to tax to asset protection, risk management, um, obviously money management, financial planning, and then other specialists uh, as well. And Tony, as he said, wanted us to bring that to people who had 100000 to 500000 and we have a group now that uh, is dedicated to that team, and I mean, that, that marketplace has responded very favorable. To, I don't know that a family office of this caliber has been available to a group like that no, before. No, I think that's right. As somebody who covers this industry, what you're talking about, offering that range of services to folks at that uh, level of wealth, $100,000, um, is maybe unprecedented. And, and not charging 2% or 3%, but what's the average now, 80, yeah. 85 our, basis points? Our average points? client pays about 85 basis points in our fee schedule uh, ranges from 1.2 down to 0.25, de depending on the wealth. and. Anyone can go to getasecondopinion.com, and we would match them up with an advisor who will take a look at their situation and, and walk them through our ideas. Great. Tony Robbins and Peter Maluka, I want to thank you both. This has been a fascinating conversation. I know we're going to be talking about it more in subsequent podcasts. We've been talking about Unshakable, your financial freedom playbook, creating peace of mind in a world of volatility. Thanks to both of you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, it's Tony Robbins. Listen, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unshakable podcast. It's the companion to my new book, Unshakable, Your Financial Freedom Playbook, Creating a Peace of Mind in a World of Volatility. And it's co-authored with my dear partner, Peter Malouk. Listen, by listening to this series, along with reading the book, you'll be armed with all the essential facts and strategies you need to help transform your financial life. So if any of the ideas here you've heard today have struck a chord with you, and you're interested in getting a second opinion on your own financial plan or create one if you don't have one, then please go to getasecondopinion.com. That's getasecondopinion.com to have a creative planning advisor take a look at your portfolio or again, help you to create a plan. It's completely complimentary, completely free, and there's no commitment necessary. I'd also personally love it if you'd leave a review of this podcast on iTunes. 
I'd love to know what you thought of the program. And also, I'd love to hear any new questions you have, any takeaways you took from the podcast. And if you want to share any success stories about your own journey towards financial freedom, we'd certainly love to hear about it. For more information about my book and some more related articles, videos, and other information that can help you to create that unshakable state and achieve the financial freedom you want, go to unshakable.com and know that 100% of this book's profits are being donated Feeding America. 45 million people in this country every night don't know where their next meal is going to come from. 17 million are children. And your contribution to this book, 100% of those profits are going to feed them. We'll feed 50 million people this book, and we'll feed another 50 million, 100 million next year alone, just with the additional bonuses that I'm offering, the additional benefits I'm getting feeding America as well. So thanks for being my partner, and live strong, live with passion, and we'll hear you and meet you on the next podcast. The Unshakable Podcast was produced in collaboration with wealth management firm Creative Planning. It is hosted by Richard Bradley, editor-in-chief of Worth Magazine and features business and life strategist Tony Robbins and Peter Malouk of Creative Planning. This podcast is produced and distributed by Robbins Research International. Copyright 2017.